You're listening to Out of Nowhere, a series featuring emergent brands with somewhat unexpected origins. Your host is Justin Watkins of Native Digital, a marketing firm specializing in brand messaging and performance media. Let's jump in. So, you know, you heard the story about uh, coming from Kenya and we then I grew up in a in Western Australia where where basically you come out of university and you go into oil and gas or you go into mining. So, of course, I did that. And um, coming from a quite a hippie uh, sort of environmentalist family, um, especially my mom, when I was in oil and gas for, I was there for 18 years. So it, it, it took a, took a toll on my mom and she's, you know, should have sort of having uh, her say at each and every family dinner <laughs> saying that we should be doing something better. I had the opportunity in 2015 with the oil crash to redirect a company to a little bit more renewable, um, which felt really good. And um, until I learned that, you know, offshore wind, as as well as like hydro and all a lot of these um, solar uh, projects, they they have to go into energy storage. Um, You know, they have to go into batteries. And then unfortunately, I started going down a bit of the rabbit hole about batteries and how sustainable batteries are. Uh, which which then again felt very uneasy. So I, I thought I was on the right path, and um, and then starting some companies and 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 exiting them. Um, it was a, honestly a I believe fate when I met my co-founder, and he um, he was explaining that he's he's uh, sort of created a technology or at least a chemistry at that time that can fully rejuvenate or uh, remanufacture spent batteries. And, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't really understand the chemistry straight off, but the more I, more time I spent with him uh, casually and just as friends, we, um, the more he taught me. And then, you know, I abandoned another, <laughs> uh, another opportunity, I guess, or, um, or, or, you know, exited myself out of a, a startup I created, and um, and then I just committed my last uh, four and a half, five years to this because it's truly making a difference. And so that's the first time in my career where, you know, the the uh, moral and financial and everything will hopefully line up. Financial the Venn diagrams, yeah. the Venn diagram yeah. crossed for you. Exactly, exactly. So I feel the purpose is is far stronger than anything I've done before. That's for sure. That's awesome. When you met this friend and he started to, I don't know how long it took before he started saying, yeah, this is what I'm interested in, or this is what I'm studying, or this is what I'm figuring out. Did the light bulb like click on as like, wow, this is super interesting? Or was it like, maybe I'll ask him about that later. Like, what was that process? Was it like an immediate like, oh, man, I'm really rooting for this guy. I'm super interested in it. This was more of a slow, slow kind of ramp. So um, it, it, it did have some context. So the Singaporean government um, does these, uh, has a program, SG Innovate, and they have a few incubators. And so they were actually putting, uh, he was a PhD, Dr. Reza Katal, my co-founder. He was a, um, 
he was on a scholarship here in Singapore at the National University of Singapore. He was just finishing his PhD. So they were putting us in a room on purpose to mm. see if we could commercialize some of the um, the PhD or the, the, the tech coming out of the universities. Um, but the light bulb didn't click straight away because, and it's a funny reflection on human nature because I had another startup that I was so focused on. Um, I was, I said, wow, that's amazing. Like, it's a shame. I don't know anything about chemistry. Um, and then he, uh, he sort of explained more and, you know, it was like a month later that he, um, he said something to me and said, well, you've been making chemical reactors for 17 years. I'm pretty sure you know this is you know how to make this one. Um, it's just the same thing with a different application. And it's that level of dumbing down the conversation that he needed to go to to get the light bulb to go, shit, I could actually help and we could actually make a difference together in this, uh, you know, creating a circular economy. So... Then I was super bored in, and then it then I couldn't stop the wheels turning. So yeah, yeah. Once yeah. it clicks, once it clicks, sometimes there's no going back. I it's yeah. funny. I I've talked to an outside advisor uh, about what we do, and they I just off the cuff one day said, "I think I wonder if we'd I'd be more successful if I ran a business I knew nothing about." I think sometimes having just a little bit of distance from it gives you another perspective. So I'm sure you're bringing a little bit of the inside game plus a little bit of outside perspective to it. I'm guessing yeah. you feel that. Do you feel that? Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. And the the other thing that um, he had to explain to me again, I've, he's taught me so much, um, but he had to explain, look, there's no one doing this in the industry. This is a new sector. So you don't know anything, but no one else does. Right. Um, We're making it in up. Actual fact, in actual fact, uh, you know, I, uh, I came to the realization or when you when you look at the market, he's the veteran. You know, he'd been doing it for four, he's been doing it now for 14 years. He started battery recycling and basically the whole industry for lithium ion battery recycling is 20 years old. So he was not the he's not the 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 pioneer, but he's one of them. Um, yeah. So. So it, 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 when they, when someone puts it in uh context like that for you, you don't feel so bad being, you know, for me, always being an idiot and, you know, being the it's dumb good, one in the room. It's a good way to frame it up. And it probably is a little bit of freeing for your perspective, right? Is, is, Hey, we're getting, it's, it's probably also exciting, right? Like we get to pioneer this together and we kind of get to set the standard and there will be people probably behind us, but we get to go first. And what are we going to do with that lead? Yeah, exactly. And then it comes with a bunch of anxiety because you're like, shit, we're probably, are we too early? Are we, you know, is it, is, is this what we need to be doing to change the world? Or are we just, you know, uh, self sort of, uh, prophesizing and, and, um, and supporting each other's ideas. And so until you get a bit bigger, you, you feel very, very uneasy about your direction, I guess. Yeah. Or, do you, or at least you feel compelled that you're on the right path, but you you have I I personally was constantly questioning myself. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about timing? Do you feel like timing is right now? Well, now I think it's right because you know there's an overwhelming um, amount of interest, and 
you know, you see a different startup come into this space, like kind of weekly, or it seems it's like, it really is exploding. Um, but all of that aside, of course, it's just, it's just needed. Um, if you look at the volumes, um, you know, any jurisdiction, you look at America or the Americas, you look, look at Europe, um, there is uh, an explosion of EV, you know, uptake. And that's going to mean a bunch more batteries needed. And therefore, there's going to be, um, you know, unless we're going to pillage the, the earth for the rest of time, there's going to be um, a huge requirement for recycling. Recycled battery materials can contribute to up to 50% of the EV demand, especially in the Americas. Um, so, you know, we, we need to, you know, it's our obligation to be recycling this material rather than throwing it into landfill. Yeah. So now, you know, now I'm, I'm very comfortable. We're on the right path. Uh, yeah. We're, so, we're touching on it a little bit, but if you're talking to friends and family and they say, uh, Leon, tell us about Green Lion. What are you up to? How do you explain it to somebody who's outside the industry? Um, I sort of say that we are a battery recycling and remanufacturing technology company. And they say, wow, that's a mouthful. And uh, what does that actually mean? And I say, and then I explain that, you know, as we see it, the problem in the battery, in battery recycling and the, the, uh, is that there's no circular economy as yet. The reason for that is that battery recycling doesn't make people enough money, uh, pri the private sector and human beings, um, unless at scale. And the reason for that is because the technology is old. Um, it's, you know, sort of century old sort of mining technology and, and, um, and metals refining tech. So you need a lot of it uh, to be able to make make money big big capital investments up front um so we set out to have a solution that knocks out some of the supply chain um of of this process and basically take battery waste back to um completely brand new manufactured cathode and anode material and therefore you know everything's stripped away you know we're just making people more money more profit um, and if you make more profit for battery recycling, we hope it will happen more. Um, if you can go all the way up the value chain to battery materials, it means that you really are closing the loop. Um, yeah, so try and explain that. A lot of people gloss over and go, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, we talk about their banking job. <laughs> Do they ask what type of the batteries? Yeah, they do actually. That actually, you're right. That's a that's a a very common question. Like, what batteries? Um, and we explain that it's absolutely any battery. So you know, like a Tesla battery, an ear earbud, uh, uh, iPhone, and a laptop, uh, all the way through to the ESS batteries. So you know, the big energy storage solution. Um, sort of usually contain a shipping container size battery battery systems uh, we can recycle of course so it really doesn't matter and it's the only we're, we're sort of pretty proud that we're agnostic to what chemistry so we can we can throw every single type of those batteries all in together all crushed up together and we can remanufacture from from that state yeah 
Where where do you think the biggest impact for Green Lion, is, or in terms of the battery usage in that context, where do you think is the biggest impact long term, and is that different than where you're kind of beginning as a beachhead as a kind of entry into the market? Are those two different things, or is it kind of the same? Um, it's it's that's a good question. It's um it's it's kind of the same and it's kind of different. And and what I mean by that is that for right now, there is, you know, the, the industry is pretty nascent, you know, and that's why we um, build the machines, the plants in a modular way. So they are small, you know, relatively, they're the size of a house, uh, a small house, but um, that is small for a piece of manufacturing, major piece of manufacturing equipment. We install it. And as you grow, we can click more on. Um, so that's kind of, um, so the nascent industry, what that means is the, the real gap we're filling right now is if you look at America or Europe, actually anywhere in the world, what happens is you have battery recyclers, which are, are, or are doing the pre-processing. So effectively they're, they're collecting batteries and then they're throwing them into a huge crushing machine. They're crushing them up and they're separating the, the metal and the plastic um, and, and, and so we take our input is that metal material. So it's mixed precious and non-precious metals. So, and then what you see is, then you see the other side of, of the U S and you've got, um, the inflation reduction act, um, the, uh, and, and circular legislation in, in Europe, which is basically having huge battery manufacturers flock in to the US from um, from Asia, typically. And so they're building battery cells. And then you have this big gap in the middle. So you've got this black mass, and then the only people that process it and turn it into what's called PCAM and uh, anode and cathode material are back in Asia still. So you, what you see is this black mass travel 50,000 miles back to Asia, and then either come back as uh, cathode material to US to be put in cells or just put in cells in Asia. But needless to say, US buys back that Asian material, which may have been their material to start with. So the gap we plug with our technology, or we hope to plug in, in, in a consequential way, is that transformation of the battery waste back into battery material so that it can stay domestic not just in America, but anywhere in the world. Um, and those, those um, communities or whatever jurisdictions can vertically integrate more. They can keep hold of their critical materials um, from a you know, security point of view, from a, just a, a net value point of view. So yeah, that's the gap we're plugging now. In the future, I dare say maybe companies vertically integrate. So the same the same we, we we do the we we have the same value but if um you know you see tesla tesla makes all their own batteries they 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 want to recycle and then they're going to reuse that that material um so well they're they're on a path to creating their own batteries sorry so we we see them and they've been very open about being completely vertically integrated so in that instance um they wouldn't use a battery recycler so, but they would use equipment. So I guess it's the same application, different, uh, or the same, the, the same gap, different application. Yeah. It's a great example of, as we're shifting from 
kind of old technology and old way of doing things to new. And then we use regulation to kind of expedite the process, right? That there's still clunkiness in the process. And it, to me, it illustrates how everybody has a role to play because even though we make progress, there's sometimes things that just don't make sense. Like why would you ship it over there just to ship it right back? Right. But there was something missing. And so everybody has a role to play. Someone's got to figure that part out too. And that's where you guys are stepping in. Yeah. I, I think there is a clunkiness to it. There's, um, you know, you even see uh, legislation make it hard to export and move battery materials around the world. So, you know, governments know they don't want to let go of this, but they, uh, this material. And so they, they sort of close, uh, make it more difficult to move it around. Uh, but before we've got a widely distributed uh, solution. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So what has been the reaction from, if you think back about maybe early adopters and some of those conversations where you're starting to explain this to potential partners, clients, things like that, what were some of the reactions? Was it like, Oh my gosh, we've been waiting for this or was it nah, we're skeptical or what was, what reaction were you met with? Uh, definitely skepticism. There's, um, there's, um, we, we joke my co-founder and I, that basically the first couple of calls with any of the very serious, um, adopters, the, the people that really understand the problem, um, their first reaction is very simple. Uh, it sounds interesting, but you can't make it work. We don't believe that you can do that. So there's always two or three more, uh, meetings and demonstrations and, um and whatnot where they start to come around um certainly they um you know we we've we've got a comment right now if this works we'll buy everything you can make so that's the perfect client that they have a level of um skepticism and they are uh because they understand how big the um the the value creation can be and so they take a very, very um, cautious approach and they put us through our paces. But once you win them over and you, you, you prove that in fact, uh, this, is how the, this, this is how the technology works, then they're, I, I believe they're probably on board for life. Yeah. Are those strong enough endorsements that others have sort of eased up on the hurdles that they put in front of you because you're already endorsed by these brands or how, how, how does that go? Yeah, it does. It it does ease up with every endorsement, every client um, that you know you're on board and you've got a um, a level of uh, testimony from. Um, the where we are in the um, sort of journey is that we're just deploying our first commercial unit. So really, that's a uh, a real sort of um, nucleus to to or a, or a change agent i guess would be a better way to put it for um i think making some of those technical due diligences a bit easier because they can just go in and touch and feel before that you have to explain how it works whereas when you have a working uh piece of hardware you say this is what you have and this is the outcome and uh, you don't need to explain so much how how it works you do because it works yeah, yeah. Are, have you seen uh, what's the commonality in the like early adopters or the first the people who are like really hungry for it? Is it is it a particular region or jurisdiction? Is it a particular type of industry? 
Like, who do you see as like wanting this the most or quickest to act on it? Um, well, I mean, because we sell now to battery manufacturers or cell uh, manufacturers, cathode producers and battery recyclers, um, the uh, it's, it's funny to reflect back because the initial sort of uh, market fit were, you know, analysis was, was why doesn't battery recycling happen more? Um, and that is because battery recycling isn't, profitable enough and then you look and you say and you look at the the world and you can see that there are battery recyclers out there um you know struggling and trying to trying to make it make a change and make a make a make an impact and um and so reaching out to them was the sales process is pretty simple as soon as you have them over the technology hurdle or the technical hurdle um commercially it's like all right, you make a product, uh, this black mass, which is three, five, six thousand dollars in value, and you have to ship it somewhere. Um, would you like to upvalue that for a very low capex to something that's worth worth 14, 15, 18, 20, 25,000 uh, dollars per metric ton based on the commodity prices? You know, you're making a specialty chemical um you know a cathode material and uh, and a battery grade anode material and lithium carbonate uh in its pure form as opposed to um as opposed to just some mixed metals so it's a fairly easy sales uh discussion you know from a from a commercial level at least the machines pay themselves off very quickly that's cool. That's key. All right. Beyond, uh, beyond sort of the initial, like, oh, you actually can't do that. And then they find out you can, are there still misconceptions in the industry that you kind of wish everybody was past at this point? Um, well, yeah, one, one really big one is there's these, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure, I know that, you know, this, but just, um, the, the LFP battery, is like this this lithium ion phosphate battery it's cheaper to make because you could probably uh, you know um see that the iron and phosphate it's not a very very high value uh metal uh they're not high value metals and the lithium in there is very low as a percentage so it's a very efficient battery from a cost cost efficient battery and so uh, all of these super smart people have been making it um, have have higher energy densities and um, and and of course it's applied to the um, Tesla Model Three. But um, in Asia, uh, predominantly, I think I think it's coming to coming to other other parts of the world. But anyway, that battery doesn't get recycled at all. Um, almost almost completely unrecyclable due to um due to the the old old methods there's two 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 sort of categories and one is pyrometallurgy and one is hydromet uh typically um pyro uses a furnace of course and and burns up the materials inside uh including the lithium so in that in that circumstance you're burning up the the highest value element 
And, um, and in pyro, uh, they use in the old methods uh, called solvent extraction, or, or many use this, um, and on scale in, in Asia, of course, um, they can't handle the phosphate well. It's, um, it, it disrupts other processes of, of extracting the precious metals. So, so anyway, point is that it gets um, almost exclusively incinerated or landfilled. And it's because people think that it's there's no commercial viability to recycling um, uh, LFP batteries. We, in fact, created a system which recycles these batteries and recreates um, recreates it into, again, cathode material. So it brings it as high up the value chain as we possibly can um, while keeping it fairly commoditized and, and in demand. And then um, on the flip side, we've worked really, really hard to keep the OPEX super, um, you know, basement level. We we have been working on it for a long time to refine the cost structure. Yeah. So it makes a little bit of money, um, and that's important because it's um, it's not the most profitable battery to recycle, of course, but it is important that. Um, if we set out to make a circular economy for batteries, that we do so for all lithium-ion batteries, we don't just pick and choose the valuable ones um, to do it for. And LFP batteries are growing in in um, demand and 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 usability, so they're one of one of the chemistries that's growing really rapidly. Yeah, I'm as we talk, I'm thinking through like what this means to just everyday people. And I mean, it seems obvious that without this technology, that the cost of batteries is just going to keep climbing and, and really in some ways uh, be kind of troublesome. And so this feels like a, a necessary thing and part of the process just to keep this, keep us moving towards electrification um, at the rate that everybody kind of wants to. I mean, what else would you add to that in terms of the benefit that you see towards just everyday people? Yeah, I mean, there's there is a, a benefit. I mean, I I have had a funny conversation with a really close friend of mine, um, really aware of kind of um, sustainability as well, and uh, he was saying, "Look, I'm not going to touch this this product and this product. They still use cobalt out of um, Congo, and um, you know." Then he he he's quite researched, and he and he's like, you know, LFP batteries. Uh, you, you know, that's the way to go. You take the iron, Australian iron or, or Canadian or whatever. Anyway, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's these technologies that need to make that story correct. Um, because in fact, you know, where, where we had had a long conversation about is that if you're not recycling batteries, what, what's worse, right? Um, they're uh, both are very bad. Uh, one has a deep and, and bad social impact um, and the other one has a, but they're recyclable. So you can argue uh, that, you know, the, um, the social impact will go down with the more that you're recycling batteries rather than, than mining, you know, that raw material. And the other side, you can't, you know, on, on mass people or up until recently, people didn't recycle those batteries. So then you have to mine more. So that has a larger environmental impact in a way. 
Um, so, you know, to, I, I think the more we recycle, definitely the prices have the opportunity to come down. Um, our material we build is far, far cheaper uh, to a multiple of up to five than raw material production, but, um, and our plant and equipment, probably the same, uh, maybe 10 times cheaper than, than building this, uh, this new material. So it has all the opportunities to create cheaper batteries for the consumer, but I guess it depends on uh, the actual manufacturers and whether they pass that that cost reduction on. Your story is uh, is, is sounds like one I could I could tell five versions of that story where it's yeah. like you're talking with somebody who's well researched and they say, well, I don't do this because of these reasons. I do this, and it's like. Well, let me tell you about that one too. You know, it's, it's so complex, but I feel like that's why we need at least a uh, percentage of us out there taking the time to educate ourselves and learn like what really is at play here and what are good solutions, you know, so that way we can all be as informed as we can. Um, We don't, I don't think we all have to be experts, but let's at least have, you know, an attempt at some education so we can make good decisions here. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So but it's easier. It's easier. If you're not in the industry, then, you know, how much are you actually going to read on it? I didn't know half of what my friend knew before, you know, six years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a tough one. I don't, I don't know what the solution is. You can't expect everybody, you can't expect the general public to do that much research, but uh, you just got to trust that there's enough people who are put, you know, there's enough people with some energy and some smarts who are putting some time in and making some good decisions and we can, go along with it. But I think there's enough of us that feel like, Hey, I've got a role to play here. Let me do my role. And, uh, I'm optimistic that enough of that will, will help out. I don't know. What's your, what's your viewpoint on that? No, I I agree. And I think it, um, although I've always taken the stance with any business that you create, um, it shouldn't be reliant on, on government, uh, you know, government intervention, it should be kind of ground up. So it has to make a commercial um, case and it has to make sense uh, commercially. And then, uh, you know, it's a bonus if, if governments get on board. And so what you see in in um, the EU and, and the US and many other countries is that it's coming, it's filtering down from the top. The US, the, these, these governments are making really good decisions with regards to, um sustainability they understand that you know um reducing the uh capping the temperature hike to 1.5 degrees and 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 all these other um and creating circular economies is so important that they are putting in some some really really um change making type legislation and that's making people really understand these decisions they make on a day-to-day basis and why why it's important and why you know electrification is a very important movement to being able to reduce our carbon footprint uh, but we also need to to make the uh, critical materials sustainable that go into them yeah I think yeah. I think people are people are becoming far more aware of what's what's right and what their part is to play. Yeah, I agree. Even I, even people who I would say who don't fancy themselves as like experts or researchers are still pretty keyed in far more than they were, like, I don't know, definitely five, 10 years ago. I mean, the conversations didn't even pop up, I think, then. Yeah. Um, 
with what with what you've accomplished today what's been the most rewarding part for you um i think the you know we're still holding out we've made battery cells and um and use them test cells and and use them until the end of life and then re- of course recycled them again um in our internally so um that's that's rewarding rewarding is seeing the team and how it's grown and how um we've managed to keep the culture like relatively relatively the same despite being now in five countries um which is uh obviously not um my doing but the team's just just really really awesome um so that's very rewarding uh, but we're still I'm really we're really still holding out for the big pat on the back will be where we do um, prove circularity. So we find uh, we we work with a a partner or commercial at a commercial level. We recycle batteries and we somehow uh, monitor them and tag them and receive them back and then do it again um, and send them back into the world as fully rejuvenated batteries. Um, if we can do that for a full cycle, you know, that's one of our milestones where we, we all, uh, we all agreed that we should be really proud of ourselves, which we haven't achieved yet, but we're still, we're still sort of on the path. (laughs) Everyone, we've learned a lot from this podcast series and we've put the good stuff in a handful of PDF frameworks. It's topics like messaging, channel strategy, and market fit. You can grab them at nativedigital.com slash resources.